podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. Or as it has become now, it's my pedestal from which to defend players who are massively underrated and underappreciated by Liverpool fans. Not all Liverpool fans, obviously, but I do feel like this man is maybe underappreciated by a slight majority. I saw a poll done on Twitter. Obviously, it doesn't encompass the whole fan base, but maybe a lot of the online fan base. And it was basically asking who was the bigger legend, Ginny Wijnaldum or James Milner? And somehow James Milner won the award, and I won the poll rather, and did so quite comfortably. I think it was like 60% to 40%. And it got me thinking just how disrespected Ginny Wijnaldum is. Obviously, when he was at the club, he was massively underrated. But I feel like it generally gets worse as time goes by, as people forget how important he was to our team and to the success that we had. So just to put him and Milner side by side for a second, Milner obviously joined the club a year before Wijnaldum, and that was a season in which we won nothing. We did get to a Europa League final and a League Cup final. and lost both of them. That, by the way, is the only season in which Ginny Wijnaldum has been, sorry, in which James Milner has been a regular midfield starter for Liverpool. So 16-17, Klopp is starting to put together his own team. And one of his first signings is Ginny Wijnaldum. Milner gets moved to left back while Wijnaldum is starting in midfield. So that season, Milner plays 3,437 minutes and Ginny plays 3,338. So Milner plays slightly more. Milner has seven goals, sorry, seven goals, four assists. Ginny has six goals, 11 assists. Bear in mind, most of Milner's goals are penalties. Liverpool finished top four. Wijnaldum is massively important in the late season push, he and Emre Chan just took control of midfield and dominated games to get us into fourth place. 17-18, the year we reached the Champions League final in Kiev. Ginny plays 3,600 minutes. James Milner plays 2,787, quite a drastic drop-off. Milner only plays 1,700 minutes in the Premier League and 875 in the Champions League 
plays slightly more than Ginny in the Champions League, about 25 more minutes, but Ginny plays 600 minutes more in... Actually, sorry, I tell a lie. Ginny played more in the Champions League when you include the qualifiers than Milner did. He also played significantly more in the Premier League. This is the season Milner has eight assists in the Champions League and is held up as his kind of great achievement since joining the club. Wijnaldum's numbers drop quite a bit because he's being asked to play a more defensive-minded role to sit in next to Jordan Henderson when he plays as the six and basically do a lot of the defensive work. Then we move into 18-19. So Milner has had two seasons as a starter by this point. One season as a squad player, semi-regular starter. But only one season as a starter in midfield and the other was at left-back. Ginny has had two seasons, both as a basically every game starter in midfield. So 18-19, Ginny plays 3,705 minutes. Milner plays 2,863 minutes. Again, Ginny plays 1,000 minutes more than him in the league and plays more than him in the Champions League. Milner is still playing quite often in the Champions League, but not to the regular extent that Ginny is playing, not starting as often. We win the Champions League this season, and obviously the biggest moment either of them have that season is Ginny against Barcelona. In the final, it's Wijnaldum who starts, and Milner does not. We go into 1920, season we win the Premier League, and the gulf of minutes is quite drastic. 3,644 for Wijnaldum, 1,708, so almost 2,000 minutes more for Wijnaldum. Wijnaldum plays 37 league games, a total of 2,948 minutes. Milner plays 22 league games, 926 minutes. So you can see who's made by far the bigger impact on us winning the league. You can see who made by far the bigger impact on us winning the Champions League. Last season then, Ginny's last season at the club, Milner's still kicking about. Milner has 1,752 minutes. Wijnaldum plays 3,922 he plays in every Premier League game, 2,947 minutes. Milner plays 26 league games, 1,060 minutes. So over their time at the club, despite the fact that Milner has been at the club a year longer, in fact, two years longer when we factor in this season, Wijnaldum has played more in five seasons than Milner has in seven. Wijnaldum played bigger roles in winning us the Champions League and the Premier League than Milner. When, when Ginny left, Klopp said, we built this team on his lungs and his legs and his brain. That is the highest level of praise. Now, one of the knocks on Ginny is obviously the lack of assists and the lack of goals. And we bought him from Newcastle and he got 11 goals there. 
But the role he played in our team did not allow him to get forward the way he used to. Ginny broke through at Feyenoord as a winger and then became a number 10. Then he went to PSV Eindhoven as a 10 and started playing as an 8, an attack-minded 8. Then he went to Newcastle and he played between a 10 and a left winger. And then he joined us. And in that first season, he played as an 8. And Ginny and Lalana were both given quite a bit of freedom to get forward. But there was no balance to the team. So the next season, Ginny's role gets roped back. And he's basically sitting in next to the number six, whether it's Henderson, whether it's Chan. And between the two of them, they're playing as if it's a double pivot. And what we see now that people call this new iteration of Liverpool, we started to see that in 1718, where two of the midfielders sat a bit deeper, almost as a pivot. And the third was given a lot more license to get forward. The season before, both number eights had been given more license to get forward. But as Klopp tweaked and found how things worked, Ginny was asked to play a slightly different role. You move into 1819 with the arrival of Fabinho and the arrival of Naby. And yet Ginny's role was never under threat. It was Jordan Henderson the club captain, who was being replaced. Fabinho was bought to replace Henderson, the idea being Naby, Fabinho and Ginny as a three. Naby's injuries allowed Henderson to stay in the team, but Ginny's place never really came under threat. Now, it may have if we'd gotten Nabil Fakir and we'd moved to 4-2-3-1. But I still think Klopp would have found a way to put Ginny in the team most weeks. Ginny's defensive ability was massively underrated. His willingness to track runners, his ability to read the game and always find the right position, his awareness, his ability to block passing lanes. He may not have had high numbers of pressing in terms of volume, but that's not what he was asked to do. He was asked to sit back next to Fabinho as a shield for that defence because our fullbacks would be so far up in transition. When we got turned over, as teams broke on us, they would have to beat Ginny and then Fab, and then they get to the centre-backs. But Ginny was that first line of defence against transition. And when we look at Liverpool in transition, over the five years he was in the team, that's where you see his real value. Now, on the ball, when we have possession... He was just a facilitator. He would be the one the ball could be recycled back to. If a move broke down, he would always be available to take the ball in and just play the simple ball to somebody else to change an angle. Or if we were breaking on a counterattack, oftentimes the ball would reach Ginny and he'd just play it on, either to an overlapping Andy Robertson or to Sadio Mane. Because we have built down our right-hand side for the majority of the time Trent has been in the team. Why wouldn't you? You've got this incredible playmaker. You're obviously going to build down that side. But we broke down our left side because Andy Robertson and Sadio, with their foot speed and Ginny's pace, because Ginny was rapid, they were able to break on teams. So when we broke, Ginny's role would be just to give the ball on and then try and get in the box. But... 
when you've got Salah, you've got Firmino, you'd have the other midfielder from the right-hand side, be it Henderson or whoever, getting into the box. Ginny would often sacrifice and stay back and wait to see if something broke at the edge of the box. In the games he didn't do that, like Barcelona, you saw what happened. You saw what he was capable of. But Ginny Wijnaldum was so vital to giving us control in midfield. Not to the level we have with Thiago. Thiago's a different specimen on the ball, but Ginny was better off the ball than Thiago, and Thiago's great off the ball. For Ginny Wijnaldum to be voted below James Milner is a disgrace. Ginny Wijnaldum is the second most important midfielder of Jurgen Klopp's time at Liverpool. After Fabinho. Ginny Wijnaldum's role in winning a Champions League and a league title is greater than any other midfielder after Fabinho. Ginny Wijnaldum's performances under Jurgen Klopp have been better than any midfielder other than Fabinho. Naby hasn't played enough, Thiago's not been here long enough. For Ginny to be rated below Milner, a squad player, is a shambles. There needs to be more respect put on this guy's name. Just because little virgins on Twitter cry that he didn't have any goals or assists. Well, he did. He scored 22 goals in his five years at the club. It's not bad for a midfielder who's mostly been asked to do defensive work for the last four years he was there. For those taking some sort of weird delight at the fact that his time at PSG hasn't gone well, you're really weird people. Let's remember, he didn't leave us to join PSG. Ginny didn't leave us for more money. He left for a longer contract. When Ginny was leaving, he was leaving to go to Barcelona to play under Ronald Koeman, to play with Memphis Depay, who's his best friend. And he agreed to a four-year contract on less money than we were offering. But Barcelona couldn't register him. And not just him, you'll also remember, they couldn't then register Lionel Messi shortly afterwards. So with that contract not an option for him, and Ginny a completely free agent with no ties to any club, he did what anyone would do. He took the biggest offer out there. He took the most money. So yes, he did join PSG for the money, but he didn't leave us to join them for the money. He left us to join Barcelona for less money, but longer security. Over the course of the contract, it would have paid out a bit more than the Liverpool contract, it would have given him four years. And we didn't give him four years. But yet we gave an inferior player on far more money a four-year deal later in the window. A player who is always injured. Ginny was never injured. Ginny played 42, 50, 47, 47 and 51 games for us. 36, 33, 35, 37, 38 in the league. He was the consistent factor in our midfield. The one consistent factor 
across five years. Henderson was always hurt. Milner was in and out of the team. Lalana was always injured. Chan had some injuries. Fabinho's had some injuries. Naby's had a lot of injuries. Ginny never got hurt. It's just always there. Always reliable. Might never have thrown in many 9 out of 10 performances, but regardless of what City people will tell you, never once had a 5 out of 10. Had the odd 6, but mostly he was 7, sometimes 8. He was just a consistent factor. He was the one reliable piece that you knew we could trust in midfield. I think it's about time that he gets a bit more respect from Liverpool fans. Right, I'm going to move on to something else. Let's look at the main Liverpool websites today. Uh, there is a piece on This Is Anfield about Vladdy Schmitzer. My last kick for Liverpool won the Champions League final. Vladdy, for all his flaws, and he did have a few, everything is forgiven for that performance in the final. Everything is forgiven for that performance in Istanbul. For him, who was, when he joined us, nominally a second striker, nominally the type of player who could play off a striker or even in a front three, to alter his game the way Julier had wanted him to and then how Benitez wanted him to was very, very impressive. And then obviously in the final, he comes off the bench on 23 minutes, having not been chosen in the team. Scores the second goal. And then steps up to score the fourth penalty. Haman had scored. Cissé had scored. Johnny Risa missed. But no worries with Schmitzer. Steps up, scores. And then obviously Dudek saves from Shevchenko. And Liverpool are European Cup winners. Steven Gerrard would have been on the fifth if Shevchenko had scored. So you figure we'd have won anyway. But Schmitzer had two moments in that final. And remember, spent a substantial part of that final playing as a right wing back. Playing as a right wing back. This was a guy that had no defensive nous at all when we signed him. And yet he ends up playing as a right wing back. He's a really good player. He didn't quite have the career he should have had at Liverpool. But that was in part because of where Liverpool were rather than anything else. But you look at what he won at the club and you, you can't argue against it. FA Cup, two league cups, Champions League, UEFA Cup. Part of the treble winning team, part of the Champions League winning team. Part of the team that pushed Arsenal for the title in 2 Vladi is, is another one who's often overlooked. Now, he didn't have the massive impact, but he was still part of a team that won quite a bit, or multiple teams that won quite a bit. So credit to him. That's a good piece, actually, to give a read to on This Is Anfield. Uh, looks like a nice exclusive that they've gotten there. Um, Liverpool FC in the 80s. Sometimes we finish second, you know. Give that one a read. It might open your eyes as well. Ex-Liverpool youngster who battled Queeveen Kelleher is now leading a title charge. Oh, so this is Camille Grabara. 
He's now the number one keeper at FC Copenhagen. I maintain he is the more talented of the two keepers, and I really do hope we have a buyback on him. He is an outstanding young goalkeeper. An outstanding young goalkeeper. And I would definitely be in favour of him coming back at some point. We have a sell-on clause. It doesn't mention if we have a buyback clause. But normally when we sell a highly promising young player, we do include a buyback. I think he's a more talented keeper than, than Kelleher. I think he was just more demanding than Kelleher. There is an injury update on Trent and Naby Keita. James Pierce says Trent faces a race against time to get back for the City game. So he looks like he will miss Watford and Benfica. And in terms of Naby, a minor issue but he should be back for the weekend. It seems like we just didn't want him to go. Maybe Gag suggested this. Maybe we had an agreement with them where we didn't play him just before the AFCON and sent him off to AFCON nice and fresh. and um, Or we came off the bench against Chelsea, but didn't start. But he came off nice and fresh after the game and went to AFCON. And maybe this is just the payback of that deal. Van Dijk turns down offer of Netherlands rest. Virgil wants to play everything. I wish he didn't. I wish he'd retire from international football, but so be it. Uh, on Liverpool.com, Joel Matip moment draws attention to underrated Liverpool star. I think this is Kwanzaa, isn't it? Um, yeah, Gerald Kwanzaa. He... Um, he did something very special in that England game against Armenia. I'm not going to spoil it. Go and watch it. You'll find it on YouTube. Um, if you actually look at the this article here on liverpool.com, there is a link to it. Uh, so do check that out. It is very, very special. He also scored with a header in the second half. So do give that one a, a try. Liverpool, sorry, Germany show Liverpool were right about Diogo Jota alternative who must regret Jurgen Klopp called. It's about Timo Werner. People that say we dodged a bullet, talking at the backsides, just because he's flopped at Chelsea doesn't mean it have flopped at Liverpool. He would have been a success at Liverpool. Barcelona make clear Mohamed Salah transfer claim. Um, nonsense. Liverpool transfer plan becoming, beginning to come clearer amid agreement in principle and double Jurgen Klopp deals. This is a lot about Fabio Carvalho. Liverpool could grab transfer steal a seven-player Barcelona release spree, hence at FSG chance. I'm not sure why they put FSG in all of these as if they're actually going to be making the decisions themselves. Uh, Liverpool could benefit from new Chelsea owner. This is about Conor Gallagher. Yeah, some decent stuff there, so do check that out. Uh, there is a piece up on AnfieldIndex.com from Stephen Smith entitled The Windows of Change. There is a new Money Talks podcast, which has Mr. Chatra along with Nick Harris from The Mail on Sunday. So do give that one a listen. 
and there is another old school. So the third old school is now out. Uh, keep loan sell part two. Sorry, keep sell loan part two. Do give that one a listen as well. There's also on the books with myself and Trev and a another old school. The old schools are actually two parts of the one pod. So I would suggest making sure you listen to part one first and then do part two. And the on the books, please, please do me the one favor of giving that a listen if you get a chance. Thanks a million. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.